Hey, 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 lovers, haters, and spectators. Welcome back to another episode of the No Gag Order podcast. I am your host. I go by Coach J. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So I have my wonderful, beautiful friend Alyssa with us again today. She has no idea what we're doing. So I'm enjoying looking at her face as I am saying that she has no idea what we're doing. This episode is going to be more like one of the conversational coaching sessions that I would have with the client because even though she's my friend, she's kind of like my coaching client. And I had this bright idea to do an episode that is almost like a session that is like a follow-up after previous sessions. So that is what we are doing today. She's over here looking at me like, what have I gotten myself into? But it's not going to be that bad. So if you have not heard her first two episodes, go ahead and pause now, go back and listen to them. There's the episode of personal growth with Alyssa. That is episode number one of hers. And then today, the power of reframing actually was published. So I'm literally getting it hot off the presses today, you guys. So listen to both episodes and then come back and listen to this because this is the follow-up session to all the things that happen in episodes one and two. Are you ready, Alyssa? Absolutely. My sunshine. (laughs) Okay, so just to break the ice, because my friend gets a little uh, nervous. Nervous excited is what she is saying, and I have been having her reframe her nervousness as excitement. It's not nervousness. There's nothing to be nervous about. Her medium is nervous, excited, together, hyphenated. (laughs) So to help her out, (laughs) so to help her out, it is, it is to help her out. I have a little icebreaker. We're going to pull a card from the self-love deck. Um, You know, the ace metaphor conversation cards. Um, This is out of the self-love deck. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes. When are you most happy? And how can you live in more of those moments from now on? That's a really good question. I know. Um, mm. But like, <laughs> <laughs> is it like a place, a state of mind, anything I determine it to be? When are you most happy? I mean, the first thing that came to mind was me being in Disney World in Magic Kingdom. You knew this was coming. <laughs> You can't live at Disney Sunshine. That's unrealistic. Although it would be great, but we have things like adulting to do. So bills to pay and things like that. So aside from living in Magic Kingdom, when are you most happy? Because you have to remember the second part of that. How can you live in more of those moments? I don't know. Um, (laughs) it's a good one isn't it it is this is gonna end up being one of her journal prompts for all you listeners out there just so you know she's gonna be like yeah i'm gonna put this in my little catalog of journal prompts yeah absolutely um what am i most happy i mean i think it's a matter of if i mean i i don't know i'm Mm. (laughs) you're stumped and you don't want to say that you're stumped (laughs) <laughs> Correct. Um, it is a good question. 
because defining happiness and what that looks like for you is a whole thing. And that's exactly what we want to do is provoke thought. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've had some pretty decent or happy moments in the last year and a half, almost two years. I mean, it doesn't, when I think of being the most happy, I think of it being more of a state of mind mm-hmm. versus doing any one specific thing. Like it makes me happy to go to the gym. It makes me happy to have a clean room or to know that I did everything I was supposed to do at work and I don't have nothing left over. Um, it's, I mean, I guess it's, it's really a state of mind and just being able to do different things throughout the day that help add to that. Or like we talked about on previous episode of my checklists, being able to get my checklist done throughout the day is a great feeling. And then if I can, if I have the energy to add on tasks to that, then that makes things even easier or better for me for tomorrow. Um, Yeah. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. A year ago, if someone asked you about happiness, what would you have defined it as? Because it sounds like what you're defining happiness as now is completion fulfillment and doing the things that you enjoy which of course is what would make you happy like you like to be at the gym so going to the gym you are happy being at the gym you know what I mean because it's what you enjoy doing right last year it probably would have had a completely different and not in a worse or a better way Mm -hmm. but it would have had a completely different answer Mm -hmm. than what I've currently given. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. You would have defined it completely different. Yeah. Like if someone asked you about happiness or what, what, what makes you happy or when you're most happy, you would have said something completely different than what you said today, which is expected when you have been on a journey as you have right. growing and et cetera. But you do know, I'm going to make sure to leave this here so you can think <laughs> and ponder on it more. Perfect. You're going to end up putting it in your little prompts and you're going to come back later because I know you, you're an overachiever. Everything's fine. I'm so, actually going to put that on the mirror, on my mirror downstairs to look at it. If you're leaving it here. You're going to have to take a picture of it. Okay, fine. That's fine too. I'll just make it my uh, screensaver. <laughs> Until you figure it out. Yeah, because it's <laughs> going to drive me nuts. <laughs> oh, the overachiever. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm the same way. (laughs) Except I've been on this journey a little bit longer. So my I don't give a fuck shows up a lot sooner than yours. So this is true. I'm working on mine. Yeah, I'm working on it, too, (laughs) because iron sharpens iron. Right. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So now that that is out of the way, let's get into this episode. So this is a follow up. So I'm going to start with some true or false. Uh, Okay. Right. And these true or false are going to lead us into conversation. Okay. So true or false. Telling your truth was outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely true. Okay. True or false. 
when you would be honest, it was typically wrapped in bubble paper or you were walking on eggshells or you chose your words carefully as to not hurt the other person or bother the other person, regardless of if doing that was harming you internally. Absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> tell me how you felt naturally about being on the podcast. The first one, right? Mm-hmm. Leading up to it beforehand, like your natural response. Oh, I told you I was anxious. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't even nervous, excited, nervous hyphen excited. <laughs> that was anxious because I had no idea how I was going to feel, let alone how it was going to be perceived by other people. Being a reforming people pleaser, um, people's perception, of course, is one of those things that you just can't shy away from or you just can't get away from, however you want to word it. Um, but the more I sat and thought about it leading up to the days that we agreed to create the podcast and to talk and all the things, um, it was more of just wanting to share my truth and be able to, um, I guess, get it out of my head and stop replaying it. Um, I love to journal. I love to write. You know this. I like my prompts. I like my notepad. I have a ton of self-help books. Burn After Writing is my absolute favorite. You're supposed to like, you've seen that book, right? Probably. So you're like, it's a- You're supposed to write, rip it out and then burn it immediately? Or does it have you do it at a particular time? Yeah, so it has you or it should, what what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to pick up the book and just randomly flip through a page. And there's no rhyme or reason other than the book is divided into thirds. Past, present, future. And depending on how far you go into the book, you're going to get one of those one of those areas. Um, but the idea is that you're supposed to be your most authentic, genuine, truthful self, that that is your safe space to get your thoughts out of your head. So between that and being able to talk with you through this, being able to get those thoughts out of my head is creating space for better things in my head and not dwelling on the old stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, with the podcast, you can always go back and re-listen and think about things a little bit further, see how you're feeling if you've been triggered, what still needs work. Same thing with the journals. You can always go back and you can add more to it. You can review it and kind of see if it still bothers you as much as when you first wrote things out Mm -hmm. or do you feel a little bit better and now you've thought of something different to work on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that leads me to this. So tell me what you did to actually work through your natural feelings of being anxious and how you got to the point of deciding to do the podcast. Because of course, I this podcast, let me, <laughs> let me just put myself on the hot seat for a moment. Um, I've always been this person that people could talk to. I've always been the person that, you know, is going to be unbiased and listen and all these things for years, ever since podcasting became a thing, people say, oh, you should have a podcast because people that do have access to me in that way and that do allow me to share in that way or give advice or et cetera, they always are like, 
you just dropped a bar. People need to hear this. What are you doing? Where are you at? You should have this. The idea for a podcast has been in the works since probably 2017 for me. Um, So it's always been a thing. I bought myself my podcasting mic for my birthday, birthday gift to me. And then I just, it was just sitting there. So then at the end of last year, I finally was like, I'm legitimately going to do this. And I started putting things in motion and I had a plan and everything that I was talking about. And I was like, I'm going to release it on my birthday, blah, blah, blah. And the people that talked to me in the regular knew about it. So I said, I'm going to have this podcast and it literally, I don't want it to fit into a box. I just want people to tell their truth, tell their story. Maybe come on, we talk about different things. I don't necessarily want to do current events or hot topics because I don't want to be clickbait or whatever, but I just want to be there and just, it's just conversation. And Alyssa was like, oh yeah. I was like, so do you think you want to do it? Yeah, sure. But I know Alyssa. So I didn't take that serious or anything. So I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Then I was like, so you did say you want to be on the podcast. So do you really want to do an episode? She's like, yeah, just let me know when. I still know Alyssa. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. But she brought it up again. And I was like, okay, you know what? We'll go through this. So I want to know like how you got out of your comfort zone or what you did to work through those natural feelings that you have and the apprehension from being uh, you know, reforming people pleaser and things like that. How did you get to the point of actually making the decision to genuinely commit to doing this thing that's outside of your comfort zone that did make you anxious, that did have all of these things that were swirling around in your head? In addition to the thoughts that you want to get out, there was these thoughts of judgment or how people were going to perceive it. Mm-hmm. What, like, what did you do to get through it? I mean, a lot of it still had some ties to physically journaling, Mm -hmm. Um, but also talking with you. Like, we have 20 plus years of friendship. (laughs) So you knew me enough, and I know you enough to know that neither one of us are going to put each other into any type of a mental or emotional space that's going to, I don't know, how do I want to say this? not necessarily not create friction, Mm -hmm. but encourage one or both to get a little bit out of your comfort zone and see how much I can push you without being overly aggressive. Right. Um, We've been talking about my journey and all the things for the last year and a half, almost two years. And knowing that I have to work on my communication skills in any type of a relationship I have, this was kind of like, okay. And it also helped that when we decided to do the first podcast, it was, we were going to do it via phone. Mm -hmm. So I was literally in my comfort space. Mm -hmm. I was in, I was literally in bed wrapped in my blanket. Yes. Talking to you. (laughs) So that was like, okay, this, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that helped in the moment of. Right. But even still leading up to it was a matter of, like, I I blindly trust you. So whatever happens, whatever the outcome is, I was able to speak to the topics we talked about, get the thoughts out of my head, and continue going. So it was funny, fun, whatever you want to call it, to listen to it last week. That's exactly where I'm going is how you felt. <laughs> 
okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. That's exactly where I'm going because I, of course, with this being something that is a part of your growth story, a part of the things that you've been working on and you know you still have to work on, I literally want to do the follow-up through all of the steps in the process because I do know you well. I do know that this was difficult. Even the stuff that we talked about, it's not new to me because we have talked about these things for almost two years at this point. Yes. Literally, like, it's not new to me. However, and I didn't even think about the communication piece. That was a good dot that you connected there. You connected those dots. I mean, think about the fact that being on the podcast definitely does play into that area that is something you've been working on. Mm -hmm. For a while now. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Okay. So (laughs) tell me how you felt right before starting as you were telling your story and then after we finished the recording. So like literally at the time that we were about to start recording, I know what you text me and and what you said when you came (laughs) on, but (laughs) for the sake of the pod, the people don't know. Tell me how you felt right before as you were actually going through it and talking and then right after you finished the recording, what were your feelings? Um, I mean, of course I was still anxious, nervous, excited. Now we're going to put them all together. Yeah. And you then- literally said, I think I'm going to throw up. I was <laughs> like, Oh my God. <laughs> because it the was drama. I mean, I'm an Aries. Could you? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, I mean, of course it was the anxious, nervous, excited, And then the more that I was just like, this is literally just a phone call between myself and one of my very best friends. It's nothing more than that. It's literally other people are just going to be able to hear it. So I was probably still very selective, very guarded about the stuff I did, excuse me, that I did share. Um, But afterwards, I felt very relieved. Like, oh, my God, I've actually shared this, the majority of even surface level stuff the majority of how I got to the place I am now and how everything has changed, altered, impacted in the best and probably some of the worst ways Mm -hmm. over the last two years. Mm -hmm. So all good things. I was, I'm happy that I did it. I'm happy that I followed through with doing it because I know me, I absolutely will cancel (laughs) plans and not think twice. Be like, you know what? It's fine. It's not a big deal. And then figure something else out to try and reschedule just because of being so anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the look in her eye, if y'all could see the look in her eye when she said, I don't feel that way anymore. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> um, okay. So after recording it, you felt relieved. Yes. Walk me through your thoughts and your feelings leading up to that first episode being published because the episode wasn't immediately published because oh. I still had some other episodes that were already in queue before yours was going to come out. So you had a few weeks or so, a couple weeks or so in between when your episode was actually going to be put out there. I want you to walk me through leading up to like those days of waiting, what that felt like. I also want to know from your perspective, the things that you were thinking and feeling as you listened to that first episode play back. Mm-hmm. And then bring us all the way to now, I guess. Okay. So leading up to it, I think I was apprehensive about knowing and learning, of course, that other people were going to listen to it because I couldn't remember if I said more than I should have. 
And of course, when you're speaking your truth, there really is no limit to what or how you're sharing. It's just speaking your truth. And whatever I choose to share as much as or as little is my choice entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I think that in being the reformed people pleaser or reforming people pleaser, <laughs> you still worry about things you say. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know how they are going to be perceived. Or did you say too much? Did you say the wrong thing based off of how other people's perspective of you kind of exists? Or if you're speaking on events, like me talking about my entire last relationship, if other people that are going to hear that are going to take offense to that in terms of how they feel the events actually happened or transpired. But I can't think that way. I have to think how I feel, how mm-hmm. I felt in those moments. <laughs> yes. The smile on your face tells me everything I need to know. I am so, like, it's just, this is so great. Yes. <laughs> you can't think that way. Anyway, go ahead. Right. <laughs> so part of it was just like, you know, whatever you said is what you said. You, if you, and I kind of took inventory with myself and had to say, you know, do you feel that you did whatever was the best or said whatever was the best in terms of sharing your truth? And I don't have any reservations. I don't have any concerns um, in how I've shared what I've shared up to even this episode with you. Um, yeah, I was worried for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so when you listened to it, you was like, oh. I was like, oh, this really wasn't as bad as I thought it was. My overthinking and my anxiousness made me second guess what I had even shared with you because I was like, I don't even remember what we talked about. I knew we had covered the last two years almost, but specifically what I shared and what we talked about, I was like, what if I, what if I piss somebody off? Like, what if I make some, at this point, I kind of don't care. All those intrusive <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because that's really what it was for a couple of weeks. Um, because I was re-listening to part of it and I listening to some of the stuff we talked about and then even listening to today's episode that was published, I was like, dang, this was, this was a while ago, thinking about all of the events and the actions that have happened since. And I'm like, like one of the things we talked about was my CrossFit experience. And yeah. I was like, that was almost two months ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Mind boggling. <laughs> <laughs> you, you felt like you had told too much or and yeah. that that also comes from um you know the lack of trust and self-trust and abandonment because we self-abandon a lot when we become when we are people pleasers and things like that we are abandoning ourselves at all yeah. costs you know we we do all of these things at the expense of someone else's happiness and someone else being satisfied and someone else being all these things so when you start to say did I say too much Right. Define too much because whatever you felt like saying in that moment is what you were meant to say. It came up for a reason versus the filtering. Um, as long as you're not harming or hurting anyone or anything like that, what what other filter is there to have right. type situation? So, you know, the thoughts of did I say too much? And after you listened to the first episode, you was like, I didn't even share as much as I thought that I shared. And I right. was like, I know. Right. And you was like, but I I really, I really Right. I know. I know you didn't say much. I know you didn't share as much as you thought you shared. And maybe it was that you couldn't quite remember because it's me and because of all the things that we do talk about. Right. 
we literally talk about everything. People would probably think we're crazy if they if they read our text thread. <laughs> you know, I have this thing that I say to all of my friends, like whoever my little CIA agent is, probably be in the office cracking the hell up in my ass because I'd be, listen, you never yes. know what I'm going to say. Right. And, you know, so maybe it was because you know that we are so free flowing and in depth yes. and we talk about a whole lot of things that maybe that's why you were like, what did I say? Right. Maybe I said too much. But at the end of the day, there isn't a say too much. And of course, like you said, I would never, even if it was something that you said in telling your story, when I'm listening back or I'm editing or, you know, and it comes up, I would absolutely be like, hey, you said blah, blah, blah. Do you still want this to be in or would you like for me to take it out? If I, if, if my intuition tells me that it's something that might, mm, I don't know, yeah. in that moment she said this, but maybe not. Because when I do this, just like if I were in a real, you know, in a session that's not being recorded, I'm always looking to my higher self and my intuition to know where the line is. If I can toe that line, if I can step on it, if I can cross that line, it's that pushing like you were talking about, but it's more of pushing to bend and make you flexible versus pushing to break. The intention behind it is what matters. Um, and I would never, you know, I would always cut it out or I would check it and be like, friend, I don't think you realize that you said this. Um, do you want me to leave that in there? Or right. I would always check. And you knowing that, but still those intrusive thoughts, you know that we are super close. You know that I would never do anything to harm, hurt, or mm -hmm. interrupt, or, you know, uh, d be destructive to anything. So even though you know that, even though you fully trust me in that way, those intrusive thoughts, mm -hmm. that overthinking, because you have no control over it, still led you down that path. Yes. And, and, and she listened to these episodes while at the gym. <laughs> I did. So it wasn't even like she, you know, most people listen to music in the gym, you know, stuff that gets them motivated and, you know, gets them going and heart rate up and pumping and stuff. My no, she's listening to herself talk on the podcast. My heart rate was up. <laughs> <laughs> you have a point. You have a point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she listened to these at the gym. I did. But it was, it was good. And I'll say, because I've been focusing on cardio. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was easy to just click play on the, on the episodes and be able to kind of zone out, but mm -hmm. focus yeah. on the podcast and the stuff we talked about and to kind of revisit that conversation, those thoughts, those feelings and how I feel now, kind mm -hmm. of like taking inventory, just kind of a self check-in. Right. So that's why that made sense to me. Yeah. Because I didn't have to worry about cleaning the house or the laundry and trying to listen to, I could be focused. Yeah. So focus on what you're listening to. Yes. But you know, I'm a podcast. Like I actually listen to podcasts. I'm not just out here talking just <laughs> to have a podcast. You know, all these people are one more person. Have a podcast. Listen, you don't have to be a podcasting person, but mm -hmm. stop, stop taking these little clips that people take off a podcast and clicking on the clickbait. If you're not a podcast person, <laughs> let me not go off on a tangent. Um, Cause you know, I will cut somebody out in a heartbeat. Um, but <laughs> so listening to yourself and listening to the podcast episode, we'll start with the first one. Mm -hmm. What's some of your own feedback 
listening to your story and listening to yourself from a different vantage point. Because I don't think people really truly realize unless they've had to do it or they've done it in the past, hearing yourself say something as you're saying it, totally different from hearing yourself on the outside of yourself. Your voice sounds different. You yeah. notice different things. You eat, you feel different things. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. So listening to that first episode and being as focused as you were on what you were hearing. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. I didn't let her talk to me too much about listening to the episode, you guys. So I'm going to be hearing this for the first time. So I want to know. Oh, you set me up. Um, <laughs> it's a setup. Um, so I think listening to our first episode, being at the gym, being focused on the, the episode, um, I had a range of emotions. Mm-hmm. I, there was a couple times where I was laughing. People around me probably were like, what is she laughing at? That's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but I had a lot of laughs. I had a lot of introspective thoughts in terms of some of the stuff we did talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, as open and as vulnerable as I feel I was, I could have been more. Um, but that's just a matter of learning myself mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point. Um, I definitely had an emotional moment listening to the podcast and the comments that came up about my dad. Um, but mm-hmm. we already know that that's a topic anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was overall both impressed and proud of myself for being as open as I was. Um, but I also am using it as kind of like a gauge mm-hmm. to see how much more do I want to share pending the topic or do I want to share less pending the topic? Mm-hmm. But it's just, I'm going to have to, it's one of those things that I have to relinquish control on and um, just be in the moment yeah, and just let things play out or happen how they're going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so, is hard. <laughs> I know, I know, I know it is. I know it's hard. Relinquishing control is difficult, but you got that honest. So, on that note, <laughs> yes, very much so. You got that honest. On that note, so I'm going to play it and okay. then we are going to move on from there because I want you to listen to it before I go into the things. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I didn't even have the conversation with my dad that this wasn't going to continue to happen. My sister had the conversation for me because I just couldn't. Um, my dad and I still to this day have never had that conversation ever. The only thing my dad has said to me about this was, um, I want to say he texted me after him and Brittany had the conversation and he was like, Hey, I talked to your sister. Are you okay? And I was just, I just remember saying to him, Hey, I'm okay. And him just being like, okay, we'll take care of the rest. I just need you to know I love you. And that's the literal extent my dad and I have ever talked about that entire thing. Mm -hmm. So So (laughs) why do you think that is? Um, My dad is A, not an emotional person. Mm -hmm. Um, B, I, of course, am terrified and have always been terrified of his reaction to life and things in general because he's not an emotional person. 
he's irrational and unpredictable. Um, he's gotten better now that he's a little bit older and a little more calmer in life. Um, he still can fly off the handle at any given moment. Um, I think that's just undiagnosed things in life we'll talk about in a later episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I mean, that's just him. I've learned him in 36 years. Um, we, it'll just be never something we talk about. If it is leading up to the situation though, like was, was the topic of your, of you being married in relationships of did you, was that something that you guys actually dived into before or, or is no. it that conversations are kind of very short sur- surface level like this? They're very surface level like this. My having a conversation with my dad, the majority of these conversations revolve around him in his business. And it's not, there's never a conversation that's like a, Hey, how are things going? Let's talk about, you know, your day. Let's, Let's talk about your mental well-being. Let's talk about, let's have an emotional check-in. Those conversations don't exist with my dad. So leading up to this, he hadn't really given too much opinion or input as far as this marriage was going or like saying, oh, you know, don't do this or don't do that. So he wasn't one of those dads that was like, I told you, it wasn't that that you were afraid of. You or um, that you had anxiety about, you had anxiety about, how his emotions were going to be based on the money that he had been putting in or like a disappointment in or, or like that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And then I found out later on that he had actually not necessarily had doubts, but he had been asking my mom and my sister this entire, well, the, not this entire time, but previously the entire time about whether or not they, he thought there, they thought, I guess, whether or not they were sure if, this was actually going to happen. Um, but that if that was what I wanted, he was more than okay to continue to pay for it. So he had his doubts and his reservations, but he was not voicing them to me. So I don't know if it's one of those things that like a parent knows their child. Um, and my dad knows me, but just doesn't act on it type thing. I don't, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't, I don't know. Um, but it was, interesting to find out later on that he had been having these conversations with my mom and my sister but not with me i have a theory and we can definitely visit that in another topic or another episode (laughs) we'll table that (laughs) because we'll revisit it we can talk about bob we can talk about michelle (laughs) i mean ultimately me being a parent you not yet being a parent and then just talking about um being the millennials that we are our relationship with parents and kind of how the world is we totally can do an episode on that because yeah (laughs) for sure okay so now that is the clip that you're referring to that you said you got a little emotional listening to Mm -hmm. what made you what were you feeling in that moment like what was moving your emotions or what were your thoughts that moved you to emotion in that point because she's an Aries. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't get moved to emotion too easily. Not in public anyway. And oh, she was never. at the gym. So never. I want to kind of dive into that moment because you had an emotional response to it. This is where we go into more of like the session type thing. So even though this is like more like a follow up, you have these discoveries and then you deep dive into those discoveries when you're in a life coaching session. So 
That's what you guys are about to witness here. Let's deep dive. <laughs> um, I don't really know what it was. I don't know what it was that triggered the emotional response. And I was like, oh, we are not crying at the gym. <laughs> but I don't know if it's just, it's one of those things that I've always, I mean, of course, I have always craved a emotional relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that's never going to happen. Um, we've tried, and I say we as in me and my sister, um, we've tried to have those conversations with him where we've explained to him, like, you know, we're happy just to be around you, to have conversations with you, to talk about life, to talk about different things. And the conversations, I don't know if he's just completely missing the mark or because he didn't have somebody to teach him how to be emotional, how to be vulnerable, that he just doesn't know how to make it exist or make it work with his kids. Um, He's absolutely somebody who is a complete provider in terms of financial, but in terms of physically being there, emotionally being there, that's not a thing for him. Um, Unless, of course, we're talking drastic circumstances like a funeral or, you know, the excitement of a new baby in the world. But for him to be completely emotional and vulnerable doesn't happen. Um, And I think like thinking about that text he sent me that was like, hey, I'm just checking on you. Are you okay? And for me to be like, yeah, I'm all right. And he was like, okay, well, we'll take care of things. I love you. I think in his mind, like that was the best he could do in terms of showing up for me in that moment, knowing that I was getting ready to (laughs) unravel my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was what he could give. So I don't know what it was other than that was just the response I had. Mm -hmm. But I'm also very much a daddy's girl. And my sister and I both are. We're very protective of him, even though we know we're not getting that same exchange back in terms of how we show it. Now, how he feels he shows his emotions maybe that's all he knows. That's just, that's the best he can do. Mm -hmm. So I said in that clip that I have a theory, right? You can share your theory. I'm not going to necessarily say a theory per se, but I, I, when I ask why you think that is, I have what um, could be food for thought. Um, Even when you say, oh, he's not emotional. Mm -hmm. Is it that he's not emotional or is he walking a fine line based on what he gets or how he was conditioned? Because the thing that we do have to take into account is the time that they came up, our parents, and what kind of was instilled. And the patriarchal family is that the man is a provider and that's it. That's that's, that's it. That's all. Um, and as far as being emotional, that's not really a thing. It's, it's more difficult. They think that showing up and bringing money is all they had to give. You can look at relationships and marriages from back then. And it's like, they really didn't have relationships. They had a commitment because all it was, was you bring home this stuff and that's it. It wasn't no, 
I hug your mom, I kiss on your mom, I, I'm vulnerable with her even, you know what I mean? In a lot of the times for what our parents saw as children coming up and then when they got into those positions. So it very well could be that maybe he is emotional, but he only displays those emotions in a certain setting and with a certain person. Mm-hmm. I say that because I'm kind of that way. I, of course, throughout this journey, I have kind of worked on myself. I literally can take um, a personality test to see, you know, certain things. And when it comes to being introverted or extroverted, I can almost score dead in the center now versus before I couldn't. Um, And that's just through balance and work. However, I'm still that type of person. There's nobody that gets all of the sides of me. There's only one person that has ever gotten all of the sides of me. And that's my ex-husband because back then it, it just was a thing where he did get to see all of the sides of me, but he was the only person that saw all of the sides of me. There's, you know, all these different things. And with this friend, I know I can talk about that or I can be this vulnerable, but there's always that line with all of those people, except my significant other. I've been single for years at this point. I'm currently single. I've had a hell of a situationship. Mm. And, you know, other things that have happened, but I'm single. So even in that situationship, that was absolutely the hell of a situationship. Like, the list is real short to where that person is compared to all the other things. That list is very, very short. And that situationship is at the top of the list. It's not even my ex-husband. It's that situationship at the very top. But they still didn't see all parts of me because we weren't in anything official, because it wasn't something like that. And there still was a piece that was missing that made me feel safe enough to do that. But most people don't see me cry. If you do see me cry, it's for a very legitimate reason. I'm okay with crying. That's not a thing. It's just that I'm not... Even if I'm feeling the emotions, it doesn't display the same. I can be having the same emotion sitting in one place that I'm having in my room alone by myself, but it doesn't come out the same way. Your dad could be one of those people. You (laughs) said that. (laughs) You said, you know, I'm not a parent. Maybe it's just he knows his child and I know my dad. However... You found out that he had been asking questions to your mom and your sister. Mm -hmm. So is it that he doesn't have the ability or do you think he is towing the line and he's just sitting and he is doing what he thinks is okay. Whereas you are concerned because maybe he thinks that you wouldn't be receptive or maybe based off of the relationship, a certain way, it's a certain thing. And I only say that. Let me go on and back this up. Her wheels are spinning. I wish I could see. I wish I could see her eyes. Um, <laughs> as a parent, right? I know all of my children and the differences between all of my girls. There are there are certain things that I don't even attempt because I know my kid. And there are other things that I don't attempt because I don't want to break them. It's that thing of pushing to bend and not to break and not even break them. But I don't want to be that parent that forced certain things. Um, So I sit back and I wait for them to come to me 
or to do it on their own, even though it's something I would desire. It's something I would want. Like one of my children, she's very much so like me. If the kitchen wasn't next to my bedroom, I would never see her face. Okay. Um, But there are certain moments that she does certain things. So she's not a super affectionate person. That's not her. She don't like nobody touching her all the time. Like, and that totally was me. I used to be like, why are you touching me? Mm-hmm. Did you just touch my hair? Like, it was a thing. And yeah. she is that way. However, I would love to be more affectionate with my kids, which that's one of the things that I try to work on because I'm not super affectionate like that. If you're not my significant other, I'm not a random affectionate person. I'm not a hugger like that. You know, all those things. But with that child, that's my oldest. And I'm like, eh. I would desire, I desire those things from her because I know it's not her personality and I feel like certain things, but I'm also not the person that's like, oh, give me a hug or hug her without permission. The pro permission thing with stuff is a whole nother thing as a parent that the whole episode, but little things. So I don't ask her for hugs. I don't try to force her. Meanwhile, my youngest child, She's the polar opposite from the other three of us, myself and the other two kids. She's the one that needs, she needs attention. She needs um, other people to be around. She's got to touch you. She, she's going to come up and ask you what you're doing and just lean over and kiss your face just because, you know what I mean? Versus the other two, they don't need it all. The middle one, she is... You can hug on her, you can kiss on her, but when she's tired of it, she's probably going to slap you. She's she's probably going to swing, like, all right, that's enough. Yeah. Like, you know, she can't talk, but you can totally get what she's saying with, with body language. Right. That's enough. That being said, when those moments happen, because I've just kind of sat back and I've just waited on my oldest to do certain things, when they happen, it is like, the best it catches me off guard because I'm not expecting it like for Mother's Day I'm in the kitchen doing something I don't remember what it was and she's just standing there and I was like oh you need something and she's like well you're doing something I'll wait I don't know what she needs so I'm like okay so I was like she's still standing there I'm like so did you do you need something she comes over there and her not being a hugger and not being one to touch. And because it's not something that's an all the time thing, it was definitely a little bit on the awkward side. She was like, happy Mother's Day and like held her arms open to give me a hug. I absolutely squeezed her tight and made it funny because she is one that's going to giggle. So I made it funny. I squeezed her tight and and I think I like nibbled on her cheek or something. I did something weird that was going to make her laugh because it makes her more comfortable for her. Right. But I know my kid and I know what boundary not to even try to push and just to wait. Maybe, yeah. Because even though he had been asking other people this whole time, well, do you think this is really going to happen? Do you think this is what she really wants? Yeah. He knew that this was important to you and big enough. And for him, it may have been completely outside of his comfort zone to even ask you if you were okay because he didn't know if you would receive it or not. Yeah. Could it be that? You're very well could have been him tiptoeing, so to speak, mm-hmm. to not have a reaction he thought that I was going to have if he had asked me those questions. Mm-hmm. So instead, him asking mom and Britt, he was like that 
maybe that's how he saw it as, okay, let me figure out if this is really a thing because I know Alyssa, she's going to talk to her sister. If nobody else, she's going to talk to her sister in terms of people he knew he could talk to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. But like, do I ask him that? No, I mean, uh, I don't see. This is where, this is where. For all those out there listening, okay? <laughs> most most life coaches or therapists, they're not going to tell you what to do. We are only here to ask you questions to help you to discover for yourself. I don't know if you ask him that. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you which way to go. As a daddy's girl, Very much so. um whose father is not here anymore. There are definitely things that I wish I would have done differently. Um, my dad was also that person. I'm, very, I'm My dad's energy is the energy that was on this planet that I identified with the most, which I didn't even realize until after he wasn't here. Um, but even when things was happening and when I had decided, like when, when me and my ex-husband split up and all that stuff, my daddy made it a point to, in his own way, find out if I was good, if I was okay, or in his, word, in his words, if he was about to have to shoot a nigga. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had to ask in his own way if I was all right. Me being the person I am, it is what it is. Things are what they are. Mm. It just is. And that's very much the type of person he was. I mean, even with my tattoo, you got to make it do what it do. He used to say that all the time. He's like, okay. And like, you got to keep moving or, you know, you can't get focused on this or thinking on it or pouting about it or crying about it is not going to change that thing. It's going to change what happens next. And so he asked in his own little way if I was good, if everything was all right. Um, Even when it came to having a special needs child and all that, there would be times that I would talk to him on the phone or, you know, when I was up there, his way of trying to ask me if she was going to be okay, though, it wasn't the normal thing in a normal way. But he also wasn't one to ask a bunch of questions either. Mm. He w- he he wasn't going to pry. He wasn't going to, he felt like if you were going to tell him, you were going to tell him. He wasn't going to be nosy. He wasn't going to ask a bunch of questions. That's totally me. It's like, okay, you know. It wasn't until, of course, in hindsight that I noticed and recognized certain things and even surrounding him, you know, his passing and stuff like that. There are certain things that I'm like, knowing my dad, I know the reasons why I don't like it though. I wish he would have did something different, but I'm a totally a daddy's girl, all his flaws and all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to protect my daddy. I'm going to tell you this. And I will tell you that man, listen, <laughs> I got some stuff that I can say about that man, but even in all that he was, he was still my daddy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He was still my daddy. And so maybe it's a thing of he's not sure how to have that. And maybe just like you're on this growth journey, you're looking at things a certain way. It could very well be that he's looked at things a certain way. And based on how things have been, he's like, well, what's the point in trying? It's been this way for so long. It's never going to change. Like you're saying, oh, it's never going to happen. But why do you keep saying that? Why do you say never? Why do you say it's not going to change? When there's still time. (laughs) That's the best I can give you. (laughs) I mean, essentially, what you and your sister may have tried is what, in your minds, you view 
an emotional connection. But what if instead of saying he doesn't have any emotions or there's no emotional connection there, you view your connection differently because it's reframing, right? Mm -hmm. Full circle. Don't worry about it. Full circle. (laughs) When you reframe something and you look at it through a different lens, maybe what I was defining emotional connection as before is completely different because your emotional connection with everyone is going to look different based on that individual. So, you know, if, if what he knows is providing and in his mind, that is proving that I care and I love you in this, that's in this, has he always done that? Has it always been, if you need something, no problem. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just may look different because of his conditioning. And So what if, you know, his love language or how he expresses is just different or what that looks like, that emotional connection? It just looks different. I think that we oftentimes confuse affection for being emotionally connected, or even in some cases, um, we use other terminology interchangeable. And instead of emotional connection, maybe it's just that you are looking for a certain level of vulnerability, you know what I mean, from your parents. And in this particular situation, we're talking about your dad, but if that was outside of his comfort zone to even ask you if you were okay, you know what I mean? Because he had been asking other people, but this, he's like, no, I need to know. I need, I need you to tell me because you do have an emotional connection to your dad. He's like, I need, I need Liz to say to me that she's okay. Now I I would, I'm, I'm not a gambling woman. Am I lying? I might be lying. Ah, (laughs) I would say I'm not a betting woman, but sometimes I do say things. Um, but I would probably put money on it that in that moment, had you just, had you said, I'm okay, but you had word diarrhea. He would have been there. He might not have known what to say. He might not have known how to react. But I guarantee you that had that moment gone differently, it would have been a different outcome. That may have been an opportunity to swing that door open or swing it in a direction that it never has been. But in that moment, being being <laughs> being the sunshine that you are, you're like, yeah, I'm okay. Meanwhile, everything's burning. Every, <laughs> I've set it all on fire. But I'm fine. I mean, yeah. So if we change and reframe our perception in the lens that we're looking through, we see those opportunities differently. Yeah. Because him texting you just to say, I just want to know if you're okay. And then him saying, okay, that's all I needed. We'll take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. To me, that is showing up in a way that maybe in his world, because think of the times that he grew up in. Of course. That's really big. Even though it was, we'll take care of it, we'll handle it, blah, blah, blah. It's still showing up, it's giving you the security, and it's showing up in a way. I think that things will change. We'll see. I think <laughs> that... 
you no longer being in the areas that you were before and the and the the growth trajectory that you're on i think that everything around you has no choice but to transform with you now whether that transformation is something that we would prefer to see or not prefer to see we have no control over yeah but everything it is it absolutely is and part of why I phrased the statements in terms of my dad is because I do take into consideration how he grew up he was one of eight kids they were literally poverty stricken my grandpa was the only one who worked and provided for the family and my grandmother was at home with eight kids Mm -hmm. eight eight kids (laughs) absolutely no 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 (laughs) no you don't want eight, Alyssa? Listen, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I'd lose my mind. I would have lost my mind back then. But, and I know a lot of his upbringing shaped, formed who he is completely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I say that to try and be sensitive and to look at things from a different perspective because we grew up completely different, mm-hmm. completely different times at that. Right. But- I also have to consider that him showing up in the way that he does in his mind is more than likely the best he can do. And I know that because of my upbringing and things are things being so different that me showing up the way that I do is also completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I absolutely try to give him grace in what he does and what he can do because I know that our upbringings were completely different and wild. Um, And I've learned in this journey that the way I love somebody is going to be completely different than how they give or receive love. So I've been trying to be very gracious in all relationships or encounters I have because how I look at love as a platonic or romantic relationship or family relationship is completely different than how others do. But I also think that ties into communication and being able to ask somebody, how do I show up for you? How do I give or receive love? And is it something that I'm not okay with, but is it something that I can accept? And being able to determine if it's something that I can accept, and we've talked about this, will determine whether or not I can put my energy back into it. And it's enough for me to get what I need out of it, but that also that it's a reciprocal energy for the other person. Mm -hmm. But you know, as a, as we've gone through all of these different things, all these exercises, all this stuff, you know, that that train of thought is something that 90% of the humans walking around don't have. The asking, how do I show up for you? Mm -hmm. The communication, the clear, concise communication is not a thing. Mm -hmm. And even as someone that had issues with communicating yourself, you had issues with that, right? Right. Until you didn't, until something happened in your life that changed that, until you started intentionally working on it. So the idea of asking someone, how do I show up for you? What is your expectations? What in, in a perfect world, what would this or that look like for you? It's not something that most people think about. Mm-mm. It's not something that most people ask. What they do is they show up in the ways that they feel that they need to be loved. Mm-hmm. 
and they think that, okay, I'm going to love you because I would like that. I'm going to do that because I would enjoy it if it were me. Right. But that's not necessarily the case though, right? Right. (laughs) That's not necessarily the case. And even in, so like, even with what I do with, with coaching type stuff, or even in my friendships, I've always been the go-to person for everyone. I was the go-to person as a toddler for my mother. Like my mom and dad getting divorced was absolutely because of me. I made the decision. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Let it sink in. I made the decision for my mom to leave my dad as a five, six year old. Okay. So I've always been that go-to person. But it wasn't until I started working through this journey that I realized that even in my friendships, I had to alter my communication and change things and get to a point of when my friends called me, I let them talk, I let them do whatever. And then I say, okay, well, or if they be like, oh my God, are you busy? Well, what do you need? Let me tell you, okay, well, do you just want to vent? Do you need advice? Right. Do you need support? What what is it that you need from me in this moment? Right. Asking that question, 98% of people don't do. Mm-mm. Right? So then you have people who's like, well, I, my, my so-and-so is always trying to tell me what to do. Da, da, da. Well, did you tell them that you didn't want advice? Right. Well, they didn't ask. But when I call, you should just know. No. no. People aren't mind readers. They are not mind readers. And when people didn't necessarily have the backing and the teaching and the know-how to do and show up in a lot of these ways, and then especially for men, Mm. you're not supposed to say but so much. Right. Women were saying nothing. Men were saying only so much. Mm-hmm. unless y'all was somewhere where there was no other ears around and it was just talking to each other. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even then what you said to each other wasn't necessarily your truths. Y'all was talking about sports. Y'all was talking about right. work. Yep. You know what I mean? It's that teaching. Our generation is the bridge. We got the best of both worlds prior to technology through the birth and the growth and the evolution of technology. And then on this side of it. Yeah. So we got all of it. We got the playing outside. No, y'all going outside and we we like always oh, hot outside. Can we come back in? They're like, nah, keep your ass outside. And they lock <laughs> right. us out. You know what I mean? Right. Like our generation got that, but we also got the I'm gonna take a mental health day. I won't be to work today. Right. So we champion a lot. And I just think that the, you know, we talked about before adjusting our expectations. Mm-hmm is where everything comes in because when you have unrealistic expectations you break your own heart you disappoint yourself yes you you know what i mean when you expect you from other people Mm. they're gonna fail every time because nobody can be you right when you expect your type of communication and your type of kindness and nurturing from other people they're gonna fail every time right They're going to fail every time. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to say, hey, how are you doing? Okay, that's great. How was your day? All right. Now can I? No. Mm -mm. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Not at all. In that moment, listening to that piece 
and you got emotional, do you think that it was because you desire for it to be different or was it the impact of hearing yourself say, oh, it probably we'll never talk about that. What what was it out of it? I don't know. I really don't. It, it absolutely could have been a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying it out loud to somebody versus just it being a thought I have mm-hmm. and sharing it like with my sister because we've mm-hmm. gone through the same thing. Right. But to say it out loud to you even was still like, damn, like that's, that's really a thing. Like you're 36 years old and you still have these thoughts and these feelings towards your dad, towards one of your parents. Um, and it was almost like, okay, you said it out loud. So now, you know, being here, speaking my truth, having these thoughts, these feelings, like you said it out loud to, again, even just saying it to you, damn, that makes it true. Mm-hmm. It takes away the, um, it takes away the doubt or the, um, the imagination of, oh, I, it's just, eh. It's not legit. No, that's real. Like, right. <laughs> like I said it out loud mm-hmm. and it was just. It kind of solidified that feeling. Yeah. And maybe that's more or less the weight that the emotional response provided mm-hmm. because it was like, well, that sucks because that's just how it is. And again, kind of going back to having the conversations with him and with my sister separately together, what have you. Like that's how he shows up is how he shows up and he's okay with it. And it's really a matter of, but you're assuming that he's okay with it. And I say that because we've had those conversations with him. We've had the conversations like we want. What does that mean? I'm sure he's seen plenty of, plenty of uh, news articles and stuff talking about mental health and how it's okay to be vulnerable. I refuse to Just because you, just because you had the conversation and it didn't change doesn't mean anything. It's like what I said in the last episode. You can't turn around a cruise ship. You you can't just turn around like you would a canoe. No. If he's been like this for all of these decades, right. even being made aware of something, yeah, it's not going to change overnight. No, but even having these conversations 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and nothing changing, things are still the same. There's not even been a hint of progress. There's, I mean, even to this day, conversations with him, still circle and revolve around him, his business dealings, what he's dealing with. The conversations with him before from people that are not going to, or not in the space that you're in. Just like that conversation that we were talking about before we start recording <laughs> and you stopped in the middle and was like, no, you don't have anything else to say. Oh, okay, great. That wasn't something that you would have done before. You wouldn't have just stopped and you wouldn't have said what you said and kept it moving. So even now, if you were, I believe that if you were to get on a phone call and you're talking to your dad and it seemed like it was all that, I, I, I have no doubt that you'd be like, so are you going to ask how I'm doing? Is that all you have to say? Well, I'm doing, or like you wouldn't be like, well, I'm doing great. Work is going great for me. I got this. I think that you are in a space now where the conversation would just be different on your end. 
yours being different is going to make things different because you're not the person from before. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I, and happily, as you can see with a <laughs> smile on my face, yes. with all of my huge heart, believe that the Alyssa of today shows up and speaks up for herself 95% of the time. Yeah. So if something is not going a certain way, whether somebody is going to like what you say or not, I wholeheartedly believe that you are now in a space where you're going to say something. And Mm -hmm. when you're learning something new, let's take like with kids, right? When they're learning something new, you always have to tell them more than once. You have to redirect until they've learned it. It may be something where you have to continuously be like, oh, well, hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Whatever it is, if sarcasm is going to get his attention, then okay. If, if, Saying it nicely one time, sarcastic another day, whatever your mood is, if that's how you have to show up, then I think that you'll do that. Yeah. That's like my dad. I was like, dad, you know, um, his longtime girlfriend passed away and he still was living in the house and my dad got injured. So he hadn't been working and he couldn't walk well, whatever. And after she had passed away, I had called to check on him and he's like, yeah, you know, um, they're coming to do an appraisal and something. So I said, he was like, well, I got to get the house. How are you going to do that? Oh, I got it. Don't worry. I'll come up there and help you. No, I got it. You don't need to come up here. I don't got to drive up here, bring the girls, blah, blah, blah. I literally stopped and said, Dad, you do know that you can ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. Had we had these conversations? Had multiple people said this? Yes, absolutely. But even though I know that what I say is going to go in one ear, not the other, I'm still going to say it. Yeah. Because the only thing I can do is control me. I can only show up in my truth. And my truth is, I want you to ask about me. I want you to talk about what I have going on. I want to share with you this. But that's only if you actually want to share your life in that way. I feel like, or I believe that he probably thinks that you don't want to share certain parts of yourself and your life with others, him your mom or whatever, which is why you were like, he knows if he can ask anybody, he can ask my sister because he knows I'm going to tell her. He clearly wants the information if he's right. asking. Right. But I feel like there's something that he feels like he can't ask you. I don't know. It very well could be that you remind him a lot of himself. But this is right over there. <laughs> I joke all the time that I am a perfect mix of both my parents. I absolutely have my dad's temper. depending on the situation, but I absolutely have his temper and his, his, I don't want to, how do I want to explain it? His nature of responding to people, whether it's snarky or considerate, I can do both. Um, and then I am emotional like my mother. Absolutely. I'm getting better. Been a whole work in progress, but <laughs> um, but I'm the perfect mix of both parents, so it's very possible that he was just like, "Oh, this isn't a conversation I'm breaching with her." As long as I know she's good, like she's okay, that's all I need. Because I thought of a couple different situations in where he showed up and had to be present, and it made me think of I think it was 2015. I think I had gotten let go from a job. 
And then in that same week, I found out that the guy I was dating um, had gotten somebody pregnant. And it was literally just like an an avalanche of things. <laughs> and he was like, no, you need to come home. And I'm like, what am I going to do in New York? He was like, it doesn't matter. You just need to come home. And he literally, I got on a plane, I think like the next day, because he bought me a plane ticket to fly me home. Because maybe it was just knowing that I was there and he could physically, it's one of those things like you need to lay eyes on people. Mm-hmm that he knew I was okay. I was going to be okay. And for him, that was what needed to happen. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even remember if I think. Because he, he probably didn't think that a conversation, a verbal mm-mm. communication would be a thing. No. And like, even now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember how soon after my breakup last year, how soon I went home. I think I was home in like March. And this happened in January. I'd have to look at dates to be for sure, but I well, I think he, our trip was March. The end okay, of March. So, so then maybe no, no, I did go home in the beginning of March. Was it I beginning got, of March or was it February? Beginning of March because me and my sister got our hair done. Oh, you got your hair done. That's right. I remember. We that. got our hair done yeah. for the trip. So yeah. I was home within, and I say home, but I was in New York within five weeks. Mm-hmm. And he made it a point to make sure we were good and we didn't need for nothing. And he made pasta, and he was so excited. That he made homemade pasta and he was like, I got it, whatever for my girls. Okay. So going back through the motions and thinking about how things kind of unraveled, like. And he showed up for trip things too. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, dad. Um, <laughs> now throw that in there. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, thinking about it in hindsight, then obviously there's, you know, different things that you uncover. So. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay so that was the only thing that you kind of had an emotional response to after listening to the first episode Mm -hmm. and after listening to the first episode he was like i'm i I can't believe i'm enjoying this as much as i am (laughs) yes yeah he was like i'm actually enjoying this and i'm excited for the next episode even though you you were there for the episode, you know, that's the other kicker. But you get excited <laughs> for it to be out there. Um, feeling a relief, feeling good about what you heard in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You got to today. Yeah. You listened to today's episode. Where's your feedback? Now, this, I also have no idea how she feels about this one. So I'm getting this live as well. What's your feedback after listening to today's episode? About reframing being, you know, the powerful tool that you've used yeah. along the way. Um, I purposely didn't re- didn't text you about listening mm-hmm. to it because because we were talking. Yes, yeah, I know because I knew. <laughs> I just I had a feeling. Um, I feel really good about today's episode that was published. Um, I don't know. You even got really excited with the promo clip yesterday. She was like, oh, I really like this. And I was like, I did. Because it made sense. Like, it makes (laughs) sense to share it. It makes sense because I know how it worked for me. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who's new to starting this journey, like, this is really one of those things that helps you in terms of any scenario, situation, relationship, conversation. Um. It gives you a better idea of 
looking at things more than just one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, being able to have the conversations with you allows bit a bit more clarity on my end um, because you've been doing this so much longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, again have to tell you that I am super proud of you, friends. Step <laughs> so outside of your comfort zone. Completely. Which, I don't know if you remember, standing in the parking lot of the L House in Briar Creek, we had been, we had eaten and we was sitting there talking and then we went outside and we still stood there for I don't know how long talking oh, in yeah. the parking lot. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I think that you're going to have to make some decisions that are not going to be easy decisions. They're mm-hmm. going to be difficult decisions. I said, but I'm sure you can do it. I know you feels this. I know you feel like this is overwhelming, but we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. I knew then <laughs> that you probably were going to get to the point of calling everything off because I just had a feeling that you were so unsettled yeah, and certain things. And so knowing who you are, <laughs> knowing how you are, loyalties and all these things and, and standing on what you say, I teetered very lightly with whatever. It's that pushing to bend, mm-hmm. stretching you versus breaking in, in a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. If you weren't receptive to being outside of your comfort zone to begin with, this would have went a whole nother way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you have absolutely taken all the things and you really want it different. Mm-hmm. And so it could be the smallest thing that I said. And you'd be like, you know, I was looking into, oh, oh, where are you now? <laughs> It's abnormal, okay? Most people have been like, yeah, okay. They hear somebody say something. It's like you you get on TikTok, you see a video, and you agree with it, so you like it. They said something really profound, and you scroll on to the next video, and you don't think about it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's not necessarily the approach that you took. No. And so here you are mm-hmm. doing things like, this is basically public speaking, even though it's podcast, so it's not in front of a crowd right? Um, as of yet. You know, but doing public speaking, yes, telling your truth, being honest, acknowledging emotion. <laughs> Who would have known that would have been such a big deal? Who would have known? And I could totally see you probably on a treadmill and when the tears, whoa, 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 wait, <laughs> we are not doing this in public. I totally can picture it. Yeah. But you acknowledge the moment because you told me. I got emotional when I listened to that part. I didn't ask you. I didn't, yeah. I didn't probe. I didn't do anything. Those are the types of moments because usually even if something did move you in that way, it wasn't something you were talking about. You wasn't telling somebody else that you got emotional about something. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. all the things all the and things. stuff. <laughs> yep. So... Usually, I said this was going to be kind of like one of the follow-up sessions. Usually, if I was in a session with someone, we would talk through whatever. I usually would have my notepad out. And the things that we discovered in that, I then would be like, okay, here's what I want you to look at or focus on or think about after this for our next session, blah, blah, blah. Um, However, knowing my friend, 
She has made plenty of mental notes. And there are things that are going to bounce around in her head that she will be figuring out. She'll be like, you remember when? I'm like, you know what? I have a question. She'll send me a message and be like, so dot, dot, dot. And I'm usually like, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. <laughs> so I just want to run this by you. So I expect that those things will be coming. Um, this is now episode number three that she has just completed. Yay. Cue the applause. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure there will be other episodes that you will be on um, for sure. Yes. Other topics, some of the panel episodes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you coming on the pod. I appreciate you even more for trusting me to help you along this journey. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, someone that absolutely loves to help people, as someone that wants to use all of my psychology classes and things like that to help people on a grand scale, I appreciate the trust. I appreciate allowing me mm-hmm. to support you through this and be there and all the things. And for giving me clearance sometimes, like, if I felt like I needed to say something, you know. Like, there was a couple times, you know, when we was at the bar, absolutely went the hell off <laughs> on her behalf. I appreciate all of that. It, it goes into having the blind trust and the foundation of friendship that we have and the tenure of our friendship. Yeah. Yes. But even still, even when you say, well, I blindly trust you. That's so foreign to me, being in the space that I'm in, even though I know that I'm great at what I do, even though I know that I know what I'm talking about, when you've always been that person, of course, that was judged by other people or people mm-hmm. said that you didn't know what you were talking about or you you just be rambling or you talk too much and you had all those little things in childhood and throughout adulthood and stuff like that, those moments are still surreal. Like you're like, oh, I blindly trust you. I know that I'm trustworthy, but it still sounds foreign. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in those moments. And it still is the actuality of it because you could say that all day and yeah. not have anything that's like proof of that versus yeah. this is something that is, you have, you have walked it out. You have proven it. You know, um, there is evidence that, no, you really do mean that. Yeah. So it still is foreign to me. I get that. But I also wonder if the people, well, I mean, I'm sure you've made your own assumptions about the people that have said what they've said. Um, They just weren't ready for what you brought to the table for them. I mean, yes and no. A lot of what I have felt like is that a lot of people didn't allow me the opportunity to fully be me and show up in the space. Because, you know, I have a big personality. I can have a big personality. It just depends on what I choose to do when I walk in that room. Right. You know what I mean? I could walk in a room and be silent, dressed in all black, and it seems like I was wearing red flashing lights because everything is on me. Yeah. It's not on purpose. It just is my energy. Yeah. But like not being someone that likes to do this type of thing and that has a coaching business and consulting and all these things, when someone trusts you to be able to help them, whether it's coaching, whether it is the creative consulting, like I I moderate for someone on TikTok. When he calls me to run stuff by me, what do you think about this? It's that trust that means a lot because I have felt like not many people have allowed me to be me in that space or trusted in me that I had the ability to do different things and different stuff. And I'm, I am misunderstood on such a large scale. People meet me and immediately misunderstand me. So yeah, I get that. (laughs) <laughs> is this, I wish y'all could see her face is that right do you get that friend I get that <laughs> yeah absolutely 
<laughs> we'll save that for another episode too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I cannot. This is why we this is why we have to do stuff <laughs> over the phone. Because if not, our facial expressions has a whole conversation. Correct. Without us saying a word. Um, nonetheless, I do appreciate you. Thank um you. That was a great episode. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I'll be adding anything to the end of this. So, in that case, you have listened to another episode of the No Gag Work Podcast. Again, I'm your host. I go by Coach J. Thank you for being here. Go ahead and follow the pod. You can like, comment, subscribe, whatever. All that stuff that people say when they do things like this that I never say. Whatever floats your boat. It really doesn't matter. Until next time, make sure that you are loving on yourself. Make sure that you are being grateful, showing yourself gratitude. Love on somebody else. Be kind to someone. It doesn't take much. You never know what you can do to make someone else's day and how it will fulfill you to have a positive impact on someone else. So until then, I will be over here working. Laters.